Yeah, when when you talk, does how's the blue you know blue waveform look? Are you getting a nice like uh, you know up and down that's not touching the bottom or top? Uh, right now, yes. But what I'm worried about is that it's gonna bust. So <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. I will say I will say that if your waveforms bust all over, I have ways to minimize that and to reduce it down a little bit. So we have tools. Skitch can handle if you bust. Mm -hmm. This is funny because when I uh, first heard Three Octopuses in a Trench Coat, I was like, oh, this Mari is very funny. I should listen to some of her other work. And I just clicked on a random podcast that you did. And the first thing I heard was you saying, like, I would prefer if, like, the men were chained to the ceilings and then, like, hanging down for my, you know, sexual pleasure. And I was like, this (laughs) person will be perfect for our show. tabletop role-playing game. It is one of many that are popular, but it's probably the one that most people know. You roll a dice, and if it's like down at a 1, that's bad, and if it's up near a 20, that's good. And you use those results to tell a story collaboratively as a group. So you're trying to roll 20 so you can win the game, right? Is that the that's the object of this? It's not about winning, it's about telling interesting stories. Failure can be interesting too. Wow, I'd love to tell a story. <laughs> I know, wouldn't that be great? We, well, we're gonna, we're gonna do one of those now. <laughs> Heck yeah, we're gonna do it. Uh, Alright, so we should start by introducing ourselves. I am Austin Yorsky. My introduction has evolved a lot over the years I've been doing this. I used to say I play video games for a living, and then I was like, I'm in law school, I'm gonna be a lawyer. And I guess now my introduction is I play D&D for a living. <laughs> That's just my thing now. It's no longer the, is. the side thing to my main thing. It's just what I do. I am going to be your dungeon master or DM, which means I am going to be the narrator the rules nerd, and the voice of the NPCs or non-player characters, which means all of the not protagonists of the story you're going to hear. I have with me a number of people who are the players of this game. They are going to play the protagonists. Each person will be playing one character exclusively. Uh, You'll pick up on the easy context was going to make a lot of this show make sense, I think, very shortly. Uh, But let's uh, establish a precedent for plugs here. We're going to do upfront for the first couple of episodes, uh, plugs for our various projects. Uh, I am at patreon.com slash Austin Yorsky. That's where you can make sure I have food. Um, We're right now trying to reach a goal to do some spinoff content, maybe some more scripted content. It would be awesome if you check that out. Uh, But that's mostly where I'm at these days. Um, also in the description, there's a number of plugs for not only us, all of our links to like social media, twitter.com slash Austin Yorsky is going to be in there, uh, but also artists for the show who we work with, musicians for the show we work with. We've had musical numbers. <laughs> We've had poetry. The show gets weird. Um, but Austin Yorsky is me. You're going to hear my voice probably more than anyone's, and I apologize for that. But 
I'm going to turn it over now to the first person in alphabetical order after Austin A. I think C is Chris. Oh, that's not fair. This is like at school where I didn't have the opportunity to shriek into the back of the bus or anything like that. Uh, my name is Chris, uh, and I record manga stuff every so often. I shouldn't say every so often. It's a fact weekly with Weekly Manga Recap which you could find on YouTube and uh, actually not on YouTube at the moment, but maybe soon, uh, but you can find it on iTunes. That's the other big name stuff that we all are a slave to the algorithm. And uh, you can also find and support it on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. And if you want to see me occasionally tweet about nonsense, it's uh, at Rollo T R O L L O T. I don't, do I need to give other things? I forget. how. Oh yeah. I could step in here and give it to someone else or you could do your fucking job, Chris. I don't <laughs> I, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Just throw uh, the ball to someone. No, I didn't. I didn't know if I did. Oh, uh, you. Oh, you. you. Oh. If I say you, then anybody can technically pick it up. I'll I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. Um, so I'm Laura. Uh, Laura Kate Dale. I go by Laura K Buzz on the internet. I do a lot of things, usually around video games or LGBT stuff. Um. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, every Friday on YouTube slash Laura K Buzz, you can find uh, episodes of Accessibility, which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. Um, I also have books, a couple of which are out and a couple of which are coming out. I've got a book called Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being an autistic trans woman. Um, and about how that's a, a surprisingly common overlap and how that 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 intersects with itself. Uh, I've got a book called Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is all about video game character butt reviews, and it's got all illustrations and developer interviews and a bunch of cool internet people in it. Uh, I've got a book called Gender Euphoria, which is coming out on June 10th, 2021, that's about non-cis people's positive gender-affirming stories and experiences. I also do a bunch of podcasts. I do Podquisition, which is a video game podcast that definitely never gets political. Um, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't explicitly video games um, and do silly voices and skits with my trans uh, wife-to-be. I do Pixel Squirt with one of the other people you're going to meet shortly, which is a video game porn review podcast. Um, I probably do some other podcasts I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um... So yeah, Laura K. Buzz. Um, Mari, your turn. I'm throwing it to you. Hi, I'm Mari, and I do video game things, and I also co-host Pixel Squirt with Laura. And um, since we started that podcast, I have no idea what's normal sexually anymore. It makes dating <laughs> really hard because, I don't know, anything anyone says, I'm like, sure, yeah, I don't know. Is that weird? <laughs> I have no way of knowing. Five, uh, five Nights at Freddy's Porn has broken us. Yeah, we're broken human beings. We're no longer who we used to be. <laughs> um, I also do Twitch and YouTube. Mostly been focusing on Twitch the last year because of the collapses of society in the United States. I can't handle anything more than that. And... Um, uh, what else do I do? You, you just type in Geek Remix anywhere and you can probably find me. Like yeah. shit posting. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely not. Now, you have, to, you have to burn the whole episode now. It's, it's ruined. Uh, the season has to be restart from scratch. Uh, you, you, scrap everything. You might struggle to get a swear word into an episode title, but like I think that's that's the closest you'll get to being fought on swearing, is sometimes, oh, that's a bit rude for a title. I mean, we've gotten pretty spicy in the titles as well. I, last season started with a bad word in the title, although there was plausible chicken deniability, but I still think the algorithm was very mad about it. Uh, it, it I, we got a stern, I got a stern warning when I was uploading that video, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it could be a male chicken. You don't know from context. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But um, I used to make video game theories, but now after 2020, I no longer wish to be intelligent in any way. I want to be stupid. I want to be dumb and not know anything. And when people bring up subjects, I go, I don't know. I just don't head know. Empty, yeah. Yeah, head, head empty. 2021. Head empty. 2021. Head empty. No thoughts. That's me for 2021. Big mood. Hello. Hello. Uh uh, my name is Michael Schicciano. Uh Most people know me as Skitch. Uh, I used to write um, music for a bunch of people on websites that were run by very bad people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even leave that in mind. I've completely excised that from my introduction. Uh, listen, okay, I'm just gonna add that in my introduction for the heck of it. Um, but I also do teaching. I try to engage in various things in music, audio, games, and otherwise. Uh, you can find me on twitter.com uh, slash sketch music. I will be setting up a Patreon, finally. It'll be at patreon.com slash sketch. Ooh. Ooh. And uh, I occasionally also put music up for sale on Bandcamp, but outside of all that stuff, I frequently engage in various behind-the-scene antics for Dice Funk, even when I wasn't on the air, including <laughs> audio editing and video uploads and stuff like that. So mm. all very fun stuff around. And now I'm excited to, well, just be back and be part of the crew once more. Yay. Yeah. And once again, all those links are going to be in the episode description. Don't be shy about looking in there. That's where all your questions are answered. Most of the questions you get are, uh, what, what is that character coming back? And they're not coming back. But the second most <laughs> popular question we get is, well, what, what's that song? Or where's your shit that you talked about? And it's in the episode description. I promise you. In fact, there are secret uh, messages and uh, clues to the season <laughs> hidden in the description of every episode. So you oh. have to go through and just really comb through all the links. And uh, if you find all the clues, then the real season secret will be revealed to you. There, that'll keep them busy. <laughs> yeah, those rubes. Austin, do I need to listen to other seasons of Dice Funk to understand season eight that I've just jumped into? Oh, wow. You're so good at podcasting, Laura. No, every season is self-contained. There will be occasional fun references for longtime fans, but this is going to be a complete story from beginning to end. Like Final Fantasy? Yeah. It's explicitly like Final Fantasy. Yep. When we started the show, I said I wanted to make a Final Fantasy type kind of thing where each one is its own thing, but there's always a Sid. And if you recognize the Sid, you can be like, oh, that's fun. But if you don't recognize the Sid, that's fine. If a Bozog shows up, you might go, I know what season that's from. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, and also like Final Fantasy, each one has its own kind of style and tone and kind of flavor, and that makes people very protective of their favorite and very disdainful of their least favorites, which is a fun part of this fandom. You can yell at other people who disagree with you about that uh, in the Discord, also in the description. Dice Funk peaked with three octopuses in a trench coat. You can't 
persuade me different, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry I raised the bar so high. I'll try not to be mm-hmm. so amazing next time. Yep. <laughs> uh, season six defenders, uh, kill all who challenge you. Best season. <laughs> <laughs> no, never surrender, never give up. Uh, so we should start the season, season eight. Ooh. Who's horny for it? Me. I'm, I'm horny for it. Good and horny. I bought horny pills yesterday, so, you know. Mm. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate, or you want to leave that to the audience's imagination? I saw it on Twitter, but that doesn't mean they did. You know what? Let them find out. Let them do a little hunt for find me on Twitter and be like, what are those horny pills she's talking about? Yeah, that's a good way to get them to your social medias. Just be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I show hole on, on social. Get on there. Just well, check it out. I don't show any holes. <laughs> there aren't any holes on display for anyone. That's new for this show. Everyone here is totally holes out at all times. <laughs> Gosh, I'm actually blushing over all this. this- <laughs> Literally, last episode, I said it's going to get a lot less horny from here on out, and I've already broken my promise. Weren't you like explicitly like season eight will not be the sex season, no matter what I said a couple years back as an offhand joke? Horny, 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 uh, horny, uh, horny. finds a way. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's basically how it goes. Anything else we'll explain to you when you need to know it. Um, so I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready. I am as well. Uh-huh. All right. So our story begins at the foot of Mount Grendel, the tallest mountain in the known world. The first snow flurries of winter are beginning to fall. Uh, But soon this mountain will become very, very hostile to life. Uh, But for now, uh, the last of the travelers are packing up their bags and leaving because this mountain, which reaches up to the peak, to the tippy top of the sky, is a premier destination for explorers and adventurers who brave its peak to reach the top of the world, through which they can reach a portal to the surface in a completely other world. So at the this, this mountain is the best possible bridge to explore this new world uh, at the top of the universe. But our story doesn't take place on this brave new frontier. Uh, that will be that will be season nine. We'll get there. But how about the average ordinary people? who live on this mountain as the adventurers come and go. That's where our story is set. Uh, This village can expand to as many as one or 200 people as the adventurers come through it during good weather, during the summer. But as the snow closes in and the adventurers leave, uh, there can be as few as a couple dozen. It's a tiny, remote village at the foot of this mountain. And you four are going to be playing the Watch, the guards, as it were. The people who in a Elder Scrolls game will say, halt criminal scum. Uh, you are the people in this village who are authorized to use violence to solve problems if necessary. I do want to draw a distinction that you're not the police. No cops mm-hmm. here. No, no cops. Nope. This might seem like a tiny distinction, but for those who have studied their history, you know the Watch is people from a community protecting the other people of that community. And the police are people from outside a community protecting property. 
which is a completely separate thing. The actual evolution of that is very interesting if you want to look into it. But um, the important thing is you are all here to protect the people. Um, so that's something I want to stress. Let's just make sure we get a couple of ACABs in nice and early, just so that everyone knows. Like, Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, ACAB, ACAB. We're not the cops. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just get that, just get that uh, brand ingrained in here. Yeah, just make, make sure everyone knows up front that this is definitely this kind of show. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to hide who we are on this show if you're a new listener. Welcome. Welcome to Antifa. <laughs> we have political War opinions. Don't. We're gonna get arrested by the police if we say these things because... Yeah, because they're bad and they'll arrest you for nothing because they're cops <laughs> oh, no. and they're bad. A cab. <laughs> But yes, you, you four are, uh, you know, equipped with Dungeons and Dragons weapons and spells, and you might use them at some point. But you're you're not going around just killing people randomly, and you're not, uh, you know, sa- saving uh, property at all costs. So that's the important thing. Um, you are the city watch. You are the guards. You are the people who try to keep your fellow community members safe. Um, and so as we kind of zoom in on this mountain, we zoom into. The watch headquarters, which is a tiny wooden cabin. There's like a little bit of smoke coming from its little chimney. Uh, The first flakes of winter are falling on the roof. Uh, We see all around uh, the the landscape of this mountain, just not a single area of flat ground at all. This is the most mountainous terrain any of you have ever seen. Um, Anytime there's more than a couple yards of flat space, someone builds a little tasteful cabin on it. Um, but this is a very small village. In fact, uh, the number of people that you're going to run into this season is so small. Uh, I have actually commissioned a listener, Cosmignon, to flesh out and uh, design mm. all of the villagers of Grendel for us. So we actually know who they all are ahead of time. That's how tight knit this community is. Cosminon makes amazing art, and you should check it out. They always, like, totally nail um, what we're going for with characters, but it's been one of the coolest things about this season is going in knowing, like, hey, I know what my- that that person is like. I get to see them up front. Yep, some some seasons of Dice Funk and some campaigns of Dungeons & Dragons are ex- about exploring whole continents or galaxies, <laughs> you know, star-, star systems like we did in one season, or the multiverse. This is about one little snowy village and the people who live there. So tell me about the four members of the Watch. Uh, Maybe we come up with a name for this group as we go forward. That sometimes happens organically. I don't want to tell you who you are necessarily. Uh, But these these four members who are sitting inside here, um, maybe playing a little game, you tell me. We can work on that Uh, one at a time. Everybody introduce your characters to the audience and uh, tell me everything I would ever want to know about them. I think once again we should go alphabetical order. So Chris, you go first so that I don't have to do it. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. Shit. <laughs> okay. So uh for this season I am going to be playing the genius of Grendel. Uh they them, they are a goblin, uh specifically a warlock who worships the machine. Uh don't really know exactly what that is per se. They found a uh a frozen strange device out in the wilderness and uh, now lets them design cool gadgets for their wheelchair. Basically think like Dr. Robotnik or uh, Inspector Gadget, you know, just a bunch of crazy bullshit just going everywhere. Um, 
My character has arcade focus, which is a set of perpetually moving gears. No one knows why, but they're they're always turning, turning towards something. Uh, and they are most interested in science and the idea of creating a scientific utopia uh, and possibly a little bit mad. But we'll find out about that maybe as we go along. Ooh. <laughs> so Goblin Warlock, uh, what's your background? Uh, I just put genius. I just stole the is it background from uh, <laughs> the Magic the Gathering thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, just just as genius. Okay, does that give you any special abilities? Uh, basically, I could uh, find the blueprints, uh, the blueprints of buildings, and learn all their details of their construction to kind of gain information as to their different access points and things like that. All right, and what about that alignment, which in our game, in our universe, is not legally binding the way it is in some Dungeons and Dragons material, but it's just more of a a guideline. Oh, super chaos. <laughs> super chaos super, super chaos. chaos it says chaotic good but super chaos is really where it's at <laughs> all right that is chris and his character the genius a goblin warlock the genius of grendel please get yeah. the entire name correct oh no it's gonna be one of those characters it's a full title it's a full title uh, I'll jump in next and talk about my character. Uh, this season i am playing neelith or also known as neely um, I am a level 5 character, I'm playing a squidling, which is a combination of an illithid and a goblin. Um, I'm playing a bard, which is being flavoured as a chef. Chef is my background, that's out of one of the new books. Um, basically I'm just a little chaotic ball of, of squid magic, tiny squid magic. <laughs> For those unfamiliar with uh, Dungeons & Dragons lore, we probably should talk about Illithids a little bit. Uh, they're one of the most iconic things, but just a short... Yeah, uh, Illithids are basically tentacle-faced aliens from space that eat brains and love knowledge. That's their whole thing. And I'm one that's mixed with a little goblin. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're basically little Cthulhus. Yeah, so I'm, I'm playing this sort of... Um, chaotic little magical tiny little little gnome gnome cthulhu who has a, they, they 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 are a chef they do chef based magic very interested in the fake vegan brain alternative uh food scene because it's sort of frowned upon by other species if you eat their brains and illithids eat brains so uh has a little restaurant and makes fake brain substitute um not very good with crowds like, very excitable when things that they are knowledgeable come up. Um, they got special little background ability as a chef where they can cook food before going out on missions and grant, like, temporary bonus HP and make little healing items, which is lovely. Um, I'm, I'm basically just a little chaotic, chaotic, magical flying goblin squid that just wants to make food for everyone and... Uh, is friends with the farmer locally because, you know, you work in food, you end up doing this, and likes to spawn people's conversations from behind the restaurant bar. Yes, we took the uh, chef feature from actually the latest D&D book as of this recording and made it your custom background, so you do get specific bonuses for that. Um, but you are a bard, you said level 5, everyone's at level 5. 
Um, and we should also specify that because you're an illithid, essentially you, you were, uh, you know, the way their life cycle works, kind of xenomorph inspired, is uh, the alien species puts a, t a tadpole, like a, a parasite, inside of another species, and that turns them into an illithid. Now, normally that's into humans to make them human-sized Cthulhus, but you're a squidling, which is also something from a new D&D book, which is when a, uh, a parasite, a tadpole, gets put into a tiny creature, in your case a goblin yeah just a little squid thing that just floats off the ground using magic and pulls itself along by its tentacles through the air and is just a little ball of chaos <laughs> so you're the world's cutest cthulhu yeah i'm just a little adorable chef that does magic and um wants to be wants to be loved neelith the squidling bard i can go next then in that case uh, so the character that I'll be playing, uh, this season, his name is Aze. Aze is a hobgoblin. He is a druid. To be specific, he is a circle of the stars druid. And, uh, his general background is that he's someone from outside of the town of, town and mountain of Grendel, who has now taken up, uh, work as a, as sort of like, kind of a uh, a mystic a consultant at times and what a lot of his work is uh especially during the winter is to take charts of the stars that people have made when they've gone up past the portal and trying to create a coherent star chart of the stars above um and because the world we have is a little weird um and we'll explore this a bit more there's also stars below and those have an impact as well. So this leads to a lot of very interesting things that being a star druid would entail. So uh, I said up top that at the top of the mountain is a portal to another world. And if you're a new listener, that probably sounded weird. Don't worry about it. This character will explore some of that as we go along. Don't worry yep. about the lore yet. <laughs> he, he is he is going to he's been dispensing a lot of lore dumps during uh, stretches of this season, I expect. Um, uh, so what what you're saying is that if I in this universe want to get my horoscope read by your character, it's going to be a whole thing, like a real complicated deal. I okay. Uh, I I've been spending weeks developing a special cosmology for this season specifically. <laughs> with <laughs> we've spent the last couple months literally developing a new zodiac. <laughs> yes. A custom Zodiac for this. For anyone new to Skitch, I feel like that is the most Skitch thing that could exist. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, Aze, that's A-Z-E. Maybe Correct. not how in your mind those letters came together. For me, hearing you say it out loud was an adventure. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, as for alignment, uh, Aze is neutral. True neutral, if you want to put it somewhere. I do want to put it somewhere, although I do have to back up and say Neelith, the squidling bard. What was that alignment? Oh, chaotic good as well. <laughs> okay, two chaotic goods and a true neutral. Interesting. You gotta add to the chaos. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, the, there's other details about Aze, but we could unpack that as we go forward. But that's all that we need to establish for now. But yeah, before we move on to the last character, I do want to specify here for my mind's eye. Uh, Skitch, we have Goblin, 
We have mm-hmm. Illithid Goblin, aka mm-hmm. Squidling, and we yep. have Hobgoblin. Yes. I, I I've never seen a D and D book because my I just got amnesia from hitting my head on mm. the refrigerator. What's the difference between a goblin and a hobgoblin? Well, hobgoblins are not short. They are they are they are probably almost too close to human for their own good when it comes when it comes to aesthetics. But um <laughs> uh they there's there's a number of traits about hobgoblin that I, I find interesting. One is there, they have a particular uh, feature uh, called saving face, where uh, uh, one of the traits is sort of the traditionally hobgoblins are like warriors, war leaders, and stuff like that. They care about the glory of fight, and Ozzy is absolutely not that. Um, <laughs> uh, to, as a little bit of a spoiler, his constitution score is. Um, eight uh but he does retain one tr- uh notable trait for being a hobgoblin which is saving face where if he messes up a role uh he can get a bonus to it depending on how many allies are around to see him potentially mess up in his efforts to not embarrass himself gra- grievously so um, so goblins are little ankle stabbing bastards they're they're tiny little creatures we love them very much hobgoblins are essentially human-sized goblins who uh, were deliberately created to contrast that chaos by being like lawful and more militaristic. So they're kind of a... So goblins are like small chaos beasts and hobgoblins are Spider-Man's nemesis that turned out to be Norman Osborn. (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) And finally. Ah, well, my character's name is Slime. And if you were to look at them... They would look like the dead body of a woman covered in pulsating yellow veins. That's very slimy and shiny. But if you were to ask them themselves, they would say that they're a wizard and that their name is Slime and their alignment is neutral. And they go by any and all pronouns because to them, they... The way they are is that they have 720 or more sexes, so it doesn't really matter to them, but they know it matters to the people around them, so they abide by that. I also enjoy eating brains, but I'll eat any part of the body for nutrients, but I especially love eating the brain because then I get to learn all the things that are left in the brain before it decomposes. It's my favorite part. Uh, my my bonds in the village are with the village gravedigger because they let me eat the dead bodies sometimes. And Laura, because Laura's character also cooks brains. And I just yeah. thought that was neat. Tasty brain squad, you know. Yeah. So the only two characters who have a character sheet bond and we can always, you know, improv stuff. But we do have that to start off, which is slime. Uh, enjoys Neelith's company. They both bond over the brain eating. Yes, we both enjoy eating brains, but for different reasons. But I enjoy every moment to me is it a, is an opportunity to learn more things about the people and the culture around me. I am often very honest, but people think I'm obtuse, but simply they have to ask me a question directly in order to get the right answer. I, I'm now just picturing like little dinner dates between Neelith and Slime where they're just sat across the table. One's got fake vegan brain substitute, the other's got natural <laughs> brain. Just having nice dinners together. 
Yes, and you you did mention you know quest for knowledge is very important to your character. You eat brains to get more knowledge, and you're a wizard, which is a kind of spellcasting class which runs on knowledge. So that all checks out. Um, but as far as your kind of wizardly look, I would say you probably should clarify <laughs> what that kind of that vibe is going into. Because if I'm an audience member and I heard you say you look like a dead woman covered in slime, uh, knowing our horny ass audience, they're picturing her naked. And I'm going to need you to put some wizard robes on her or something. Oh, do I need to wear clothes? Is that important? <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit also it's so cold mari it's so cold out here it's just a body though the, the, it is just a body and you know no body shaming intended but also there's a better chance of fan art existing without full nudity you could just you could just say it's a sheer bodysuit or something like that technically clothing but also still nude then you could you know stick it to austin at the same time <laughs> I think there's potential for like an elfin lead thing where she often is nude at inappropriate times for comedic value, which is how I remember that series and not at all for its darkness. I was going to say, (laughs) could you pick a better animator reference per chance, maybe? Maybe a little bit of different reference. Like Fifth Element, also inappropriate, socially inappropriate. Just a good thing, like (laughs) not garbage. In the interest of making my fellow villagers more comfortable, I have decided to slop some of the slime all over my body. Oh my god! <laughs> I still have pulsating, yellow, slimy, gross um, veins all over my body, but they're just more condensed over my my breasts and vagina and butt. That does speak to her characterization, though, is that you were like, I don't understand clothes. None of that makes sense. It's just a body. Stop being weird. Oh, I see you're all uncomfortable. Fine, I'll do this for you. Yes, yes. In the interest of being able to continue to communicate with all of you. I will emulate the idea of clothing. I will not put clothing on, but I will give the illusion of it. The the platonic ideal of clothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, fan artists. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or... You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Just letting you know, don't get too horny unless pulsating gross yellow slime is your thing Marty. oh my god it is Stop. It, it absolutely oh is. my lord <laughs> no it is but in the intro this is unintentional this is not on purpose this is simply dr manhattan yeah. in the watchman naked oh with that magnificent penis <laughs> yeah oh man oh i'm sorry i'm gonna be i'm gonna need to i'll be back in like five minutes i'm just gonna drift (laughs) off into mind thinking about things we can't start another season talking about penises we spent 15 minutes talking about penises last season and we're gonna do it again if i have to think about dr manhattan's penis it's a really sick penis i love it but (laughs) this this is gonna be our watchman now that we have this naked character okay i'm just saying we're all gonna get fan mail in like five years someone's gonna be like i didn't realize i was into this and mari's character helped awaken something in me thank you it means so much i get that message all the time i do too i just not in this context yeah no (laughs) it's just not this not the slime zombie the first time anyway let's get into the This is going to be such a wholesome Animal Crossing adventure. You're going to protect the little village? Is nudity not wholesome? I have no concept of nudity. Therefore, is it by its own purposes? This to be wholesome. (laughs) All right. All of you are in your your little guard cabin. Uh, Once again, I said I don't really have a name for this group yet. I don't know if you want to come up with one right now or what, but... um... 
Basically, all of you are kind of huddled in this little cabin, maybe playing, I was thinking, a card game or maybe a get-to-know-you game because right now only Slime and uh, Neelith have an existing relationship. So you guys could be playing, uh, you know, 20 questions to truth and a lie, truth or dare or something. Just a, just a little game. That's kind of the, that's the vibe, the chill, snowy beats to, to study to. See, I'm feeling greatly uncomfortable because this just reminds me of the super super awkward icebreaker games we used to play at the start of like corporate meetings and those are the most hellish things in existence i believe then like 16 people who have no desire to be around each other being like where would your dream vacation be by the way you can't take it you have far too much work to do and you'll never make enough money but like if you could go to tuscany you know, again hypothetically you can't afford it like wouldn't that be crazy <laughs> I, I like the idea that you all are trying to play a game in here, and that's the genius's opening line. And it's like, truth or dare? Yeah, like, this matters. Who gives a shit? Fuck you. <laughs> so, uh, would you all, if given a chance, go to Fantasy Tuscany? Fantasy Tuscany, also known as Fuscany, which is season 14. Oh, it's in there. It's on the books now. I, I prefer Schmorda myself. <laughs> such a fan of Schmorida. Schmorida's, uh, it's too swampy, too overheated, uh, get cooked in the sun. That is a valid observation. It is unbearably warm there at times as well. Yeah. Despite how cold it gets around here, I do have to say it does. We have way more pleasant summers here, all things considered. Yeah, less likely to just cook absolutely alive in the sun, which is not good for the whole tentacles thing. Mm. Yes, indeed. That being said, I am not looking forward to this particular winter. Uh, it's it's seeming like it's going to be a cold one, isn't it? It's It's on the cold side. I worry about the lack of moisture in the air if I went. Yeah, we do need to, you know, keep keep us damp skin, folks. You know, uh, you know, t- t- going yes. properly. You know, yes. that can't be going anywhere that dry, that arid. It's just not good for the complexion or for the not drying out like a husk. Yes, as you once said, moist skin gang. Moist skin gang, indeed. Moist, moist squad for life. Uh, at this point, uh, Aze is going to reach uh, into a sort of like a like a messenger bag of sorts that he has and pull out just a stack of various papers uh, that have scribbles, markings, and notes on them. And he's just going to start leafing through them on the table and stacking them in particular ways. Oh, sorry. Was our conversation about fantasy Schmlorida not uh, not not keeping your full attention? Were we not not engaging enough? <laughs> oh, it's it's hold my attention just fine. I'm just also filing through notes that the travelers all happened to drop off on their way out for today. Oh, look at someone being able to multitask. Multitasking, goodness. Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do quite a bit of it this winter. There's. A lot more notes this time around, and I'm going to have to make sure that I find the, well, whatever is accurate from all of them. Ah, I got it! I have decided I would not go to Foscany, for there may be great intelligence over there, 
but I have decided to make Grendel my scientific utopia, and as such, those great geniuses from Foskini should come to me. It will save time traveling because it gives time for more experiments. Yes, but what if the f- on the way to Foscony, you might pass lots of things that you could observe that would teach you more and make you smarter, like th- that would help you come up with new theories? Surely by not going to Foscony, you're depriving yourself of the chance for um, additional knowledge, for, for learning. It's a learning opportunity. Ah, but the most wonderful opportunity to learn is already here. I have to agree with it. With the genius of Grendel here, is is, is it is it you? Uh, oh. are, are you the, the are you the thing? You flatter me, but no, there is something even greater beyond. It is it is it is it me? Sure, yay, yay! I'm I'm the one. <laughs> what are the local laws on uh, cannibalism in in Tuscany? In Tuscany. In Fuscany, yes. What are the local laws and cannibalism? These are important questions that we need to know before we go. Is the first role of this season going to be a history check to know about the cannibalism laws? I'll take all this chance here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, I guess we're back to our old bullshit, huh? Yes. <laughs> Lord help me, I'm back to the old me. I got a 10. Uh, I got an 8. Uh, That would also be a 10. Sorry about <laughs> that. <laughs> Alright, I think the way this works out, so for the audience, this is how this game works, is sometimes when you want to try something or know something, you're going to roll a d20 plus whatever it says on your sheet. Uh, the the rules are in the book that you buy from Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> uh, but the important thing is the players will say the number when they roll it, and then I'll tell them the results. So 8, 10, 10, none of those are good enough. They don't pass what's called the difficulty check or DC which is a number I make up to decide how good they have to do to succeed at something. Uh, so in my head, I had a, I wanted a 12. They got 10, 10, 8, all failures. Here's the result that I'm going to give them, which is uh, when <laughs> Slime asks, what are, what are the cannibalism laws in Fuscany? Uh, Neelith uh, just, just assumes because of your, you know, brain eating way, you know, your brain preferences. You're like, oh, I'm sure they're they're probably okay with it, and no one else uh, can really dispute that. None of you are lawyers or experts, and uh, so you just uh, confidently plow ahead, uh, Neelith, and you just just confirm Slime's uh, preferences here. Just go ahead. <laughs> So from what I remember, I'm pretty sure that it's fine. Uh, I went there and I, you know, I wasn't eating actual brains, but I had synthetic brains that looked and tasted very realistic and nobody ever stopped me to go, hey, is that actual brains? You shouldn't be eating brains. That's a crime. Uh, So I assume because they never asked that brains are fine, I think. I will take what you said and remember always that it's okay to eat people in in Fuscany. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I I'm pretty sure that's fu- I'm pretty sure that's fine if we ever go. Do they need to be dead first? I can't imagine why. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> oh. we're never we're never gonna go, so sure. So it's I a think. free love, free eat society? Yeah, yeah, hip hippie hippie mentality, but for brains. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, the Fuscany season's gonna be wild. The tourism board is gonna be so mad when this rumor spreads. I'm pretty sure this is true. This'll be great when we all go to Fuscany. 
once we work out what to do about the, dr- the, 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 the sun and the dryness. I put thought into that. I thought maybe we could put ourselves into jars and seal them with water and then have ourselves shipped there. Damp squad, damp squad. I could develop a program that would push you around. Ooh. Perhaps, perhaps with a robot, with a pumpkin for a head that you can toss and explode. <gasps> I don't know what the pumpkin head adds to it, but I trust in your abilities to know what, when it would be useful. Oh, yes. It's settled. When we eventually all have time and money, we will go to Fuscany. Definitely happening. Okay. The dry ones can hold us in the jars. Yes, dry ones. <laughs> the slime called the genius of Grendel and Aze the dry ones. <laughs> they are correct. <laughs> I have very dry skin. They hold the moisture on the inside. We have to hold our moisture outside. So, Illithids and squidlings are famously very mucousy, and you're literally named slime, so that makes sense. Although I am also more of a dry one as I slowly replace my body with metal. <laughs> Join... And tubes! Join join the squad. Join the squad. <laughs> so if the party splits up, we're definitely splitting into two teams, the dry ones and the wet ones, huh? <laughs> it, it seems to be skewing that way so far, but... <laughs> We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, there might be some times when team team wet and team dry need to combine our powers. We have one of each on a team, you know. Oh boy! Combine our skills. <laughs> what's the, what's the median between dry and wet? Moist. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. like, if we come together, we are the moist ones. Is that our group name? Team moist. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, moist no. squad. <laughs> oh no. Oh, uh, we're gonna be the moist squad, everyone. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, moist, moist watch. Oh. No, <laughs> it literally popped into my head. I was like, "Well, the audience doesn't know what the gate watch is. They're not even gonna get this jokes if I say the moist watch out loud." No, well, I, I think I think it's being breathed into reality until a better idea comes about. So, so moist watch. What are we doing today? Uh. Oh fuck! <laughs> you can't escape now. Extensive note taking, reading, and chart drawing, but you know, just a. a a thrill a second. I mean, there's probably going to be some more actually interesting stuff to be done today. Are we allowed to eat the crime committers? Sure! I, I mean, may, maybe maybe some. Some of the... Yeah, may, maybe some. I'll wait until they're dead. I can wait. That's probably fine. I uh, can eat the dead ones? We'll just... Yeah, probably. Let, let's just make sure that like we don't need their body for evidence to work out what the what happened first. Can I eat the brains though? Because then I can tell you the evidence. Yeah, but what if the physical brain is the thing we up the, up the, case by case? I have a question. <laughs> if I eat brains, would it make me even more smart? Uh, how could we even make you any smarter than you already are? You're already. The smartest that there has ever been or will ever be. How could you even be smarter? But they're not very smart. Uh, they, they, yeah. Oh? And what makes you say that? Um, just, I, you haven't reached your... <laughs> I, I think what you meant to... Oh, no, no, go on! <laughs> Tell me! Well... I'm always curious! I, I think what you meant to say, Slime, was that, um... They're not very smart. They're incredibly smart. That's what you meant, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I feel like you're trying to imply I should be saying that they are very smart. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. You're very smart. 
There you go. Oh, I do not need platitudes, for I know the genius inside. But still, it warms the cockles of my heart to hear it. Yes, yes, you're very smart. You are a smart one. See, they like it. <laughs> and you are a slimy one. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I like how you hold all your fluids inside. For now. <laughs> That's a pretty smart choice, and, um, you know, I can't do that, so great job. Yeah, neither, neither can I. <laughs> you get full marks. Wait, do you aspire to... To be like that? I thought we were team team squishy, team wet. I thought we were thinking of things of why we liked people and why they were smart, and that's a good choice to keep your moisture inside. I'm, I mean, it is a good choice. It's not a cool choice, you know. It's not a fun choice, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's sensible logistically. I mean... <laughs> Suddenly, a loud noise uh, splits the calm of the sleepy village of Grendel. Uh, you've all heard it plenty of times before. It doesn't startle you that badly. Uh, it is the unmistakable sound of a horn, uh, most certainly blown by the governor, to summon you all to action when something is amiss in the village that needs your attention. It is essentially the... Uh, <laughs> the signal. You know, it's the bat signal. The, the moist signal. Oh, God, no. This is... The moist watch cannot be summoned with the moist signal. The moist watch have been summoned. <sighs> Through the powers of both wetness and dryness, we combine to use our moist powers. <laughs> Most of the time, our enemies simply flee after watching us. They don't want to touch I, I, us. I thought you almost said moist of the time, just to kind of rub that in even further. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so the party all grabs their stuff and runs out. Uh, it, the snow is not very thick on the ground yet. Uh, soon it will be uh, absolutely blanketing everything you'll be able to see. But right now it's just big thick flakes in the air and a light dusting on the ground. Uh, you can hear the sound of doors slamming as people run inside, uh, you know, seeking shelter from whatever it is that caused the governor to blow the horn. Um, and you all know which direction to go in but do you want to roll something to perform your duties so what is the the foe we're up against or concept we don't, we don't know yet so what i what Oze will do is that he will just uh i would propose just trying to listen or see if i notice anything amiss oh yeah um, listening and seeing is perception a classic mm -hmm. skill check so let me see that's a plus eight for me so that <laughs> is... oh my god He's, he's druids yep also just sitting on rolling the dice there we go uh so that's a 20 or a natural 20 on my part for my perception check oh yeah so laura said to the audience already most things are on a scale of 1 to 20 1 is very bad sometimes known as a, a botch or a critical failure and a 20 is a crit a critical success uh, we use the home rules. This You won't actually find this in the book, mm -hmm. that those two are especially important and it kind of gets to put some extra spice on the on the flavor there. Uh, so with the crit, uh, we can get a, a, a more expressive with how this success works out. Mm -hmm. So uh, Aze takes the lead and uh, t tell me how you find th uh, the creature in the snow, which is attacking the village. Uh, and with a crit, how you get the drop on it. Um, so... The, while the snow is not 
heavy on the ground. It is enough for Aze to notice, among other things, footprints. Now, normally, track searching would be done under the purview of survival, but this was more generalized observation. And uh, he noticed um, tracks that were very clearly not that of the other villagers in town that he is very familiar with and quickly directed the uh, others to follow with. Um, as they approached, uh, the sounds of this creature uh, came to his notice and he would do the, he would do a motion to indicate caution and silence until uh, we were able to better see who this intruder, this creature was uh, in preparation for whatever actions we plan to take next. Uh, Aze instantly knows what's up because he has a look at the ground and goes, no one in this town wears size 11 Nikes. Reeboks maybe, Adidas occasionally, Nikes never. So we play on Roll20, which is an internet application where we can all see each other's roles and pictures and so forth. So I was going to describe this creature, but with your crit, uh, why don't you describe this image I have shared with the group? Uh, because you, Aze, see it first and can communicate this to the group. It's almost a chimera hybrid of sorts, appearing to be one half arthropod, some sort of ant-like creature on the back, and the front a lion of sorts. Yes, you understand those very distinctive footprints that you would have followed. Some of them are like paws, and some of them are just the very strange, uh, almost like uh, points of an insect's leg. So very distinctive, naturally. So, so is there a is there a formal name for this type of creature? Um, is my question because I I pers I the player am very stupid and don't know <laughs> what this creature is. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you make a, everyone make a nature check to know about this creature and maybe they know the best way to approach it. I got a sixteen. Fifteen. All right, 15 and 16 succeeds. So the genius of Grendel can actually take the lead on explaining this to the party if you want to put some flavor on it. But you know this is a Myrmacoleon, half ant, half lion. You know how you've heard that ants can lift many, many times their body weight, 10, 20, 30 times their body weight? They're absolute units, yeah. That's impressive <laughs> for an ant, but they're very small. But imagine if they were the size of a lion. Uh, these things are fantastically, mythically strong. Um, they're, they're, they have these uh, mostly ant legs, the ant thorax, the little chittering, quick-moving insect, but the front of their body has the powerful killing claws and, uh, like, you know, resplendent mane of a lion with huge lion teeth. Uh, for anyone not looking at this, uh, it looks like it has a real weak point in the middle where it, it's basically just a spinal column between the ant and the lion that you could just snap in half. Mm. Um, but with the success on this nature, I want to say... Uh, that you, genius, you know that at the foot of the mountain to the south is a kingdom called Wormwood, which is famous for having uh, the most uh, diverse fauna in the known world. They have all kinds of wild creatures and actually more discovered every day. There's like a famous stat you've heard that like five creatures are discovered every day or something. It's it's famous for that in the same way the mountain is famous for this portal at the top of the peaks. Uh, so you assume this thing has wandered over from the neighboring kingdom of Wormwood um, and you know that it is extremely dangerous 
I will put a link in the chat. Myrmecoleons are not uh, unique to me or D&D. They're actually an ancient thing from the third century. Uh, it's a mistranslation from the Bible, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Yet another thing that if I bring up about the Bible to most people, they'll be like, that's not what it's really about. It's about putting down minority groups and things like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's so cool. It's uh, Walt. It's just sucking and fucking and cool monsters. The Bible rules. And there's like two paragraphs about being a dick. And that's all anyone cares about. Well, the Bible's about <laughs> sucking and fucking. Wait, hold on. Yes, it's so good. That's how it was originally described to me back in the day. <laughs> the Bible has cool lore. That's it. They got cool monsters. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's a monster manual. Monster manual heaven. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Aze is going to pull out from his messenger bag a an object. It is a almost like a crystal ball that has a bunch of intricate markings along it. Uh, indicating various constellations. It is one of his many star maps that he has. And as a uh, circle of the stars druid, um, as an you know, astral-associated druid, uh, this gives him certain benefits, and one of them is that he can cast a spell using it without using his spell slots. Um, and he's going to cast one of those spells to help his allies. It is called Guiding Bolt, and he is going to attempt to um, use it to get an initial shot to uh, grant advantage to the next ally who attacks it if he hits with it. So that will be a just a straight attack roll here. Let me double check. Yep, range spell attack. So that will be a... So he holds up the star map, gestures it around with his hand, and then a light... Uh, Light kind of connects from the various constellations into the center point and then shoots out at the, oh, jeez, what's the, what's the thing called again? The Myrmecolion? It's called a Myrmecolion, but you can call it an antlion if that's easier, and I'm sure it is. Myrmecolion or antlion, yeah. And he uh, strikes at it with a 23 with a with his spell attack. Oh, yeah. So for the audience, AC or armor class is the number you have to hit. Uh, you have to roll higher than to connect with. You rolled a 23. Uh, that is higher than the armor class. So you hit. So that he does damage. The damage he does is four six sided dice, which rolled comes out to a 15. And after the attack, the attack lands, um, Dim light glitters across the form of the creature, making it easier to perceive and to notice weak points, granting the next attack against it with advantage. So, and as he does this, he maintains staying close to the group because he is very frail and does not want to get too close to this thing. <laughs> all right. So let's all roll initiative, which means everyone has a number they, they roll to see it with the order of combat. While you're doing that, I will describe this kind of scene again. So the party left the Moist Watches headquarters, this little cabin, not much of a headquarters at all, really. And Ozzy noticed some strange tracks and followed it to Amir Macolian, half ant, half lion. And this large creature, it is the full size of a, a, a full adult male lion uh, is walking through the streets of Grendel, these these uneven rolling hills with these little cabins on it, and it's looking for food. You see it like 
like knock over a barrel and like start snuffling through it. But this thing, when it steps, it like breaks people's porches. It like lashes out maybe at a, a pet or something which runs away. And it, this thing is dangerous and it's very large. And so you take up a position at a good distance with your crit and you hit it with a guiding bolt from your what's called a star map, mm-hmm. which to the audience, I believe you described as like a crystal ball essentially with glittering lights inside like stars. This particular star map, yes, looks like that. He has multiple star maps because of how weird the astrology is of this world. So Yes, and we'll discuss lore as the season progresses. Uh, but looks like Slime won initiative, so you're going to go first. Um, as the guiding bolt hits the Miramicolian, it, it stumbles to the side, damaged, but it is now uh, it, it's basically... Uh, emitting light from where the guiding bolt hits it which means whatever you do has advantage advantage means you roll twice and take the higher number uh so that's advantage is something you're going to want so i want to use vampiric touch and and that's the way i use it is i slap people and then the slime goes on them and starts eating them alive um and so it is the touch of your shadowy hand my slimy hand, uh, can siphon forces from others to heal your wounds, make a melee attack against a creature within your reach, on hit, the target takes 3d6 necrotic damage, and I get half of that damage back. So that means I'm going to roll three times on a d6, right? When you hit, you have to first roll the attack roll. So that will be that will be a 1d20 plus, I believe, will be your spell attack bonus which i if to clarify what that would be if six six yeah so it'd be 1d20 plus six would be your attack roll and you could roll that twice and pick the higher results (laughs) i'm gonna pick the 21 yeah Mm -hmm. uh so this is a great scene because uh aze shoots that guiding bolt it slams into the mirror colon which turns and roars at you uh as the the snow is you know picking up kind of in density and so this battlefield in the streets of grendel is getting snowier but there's this this light that's emanating from the creature now and slime just walks towards it and just slaps it across the mouth Mm mm-hmm just this nude, nude-ish zombie lady just smacks the lion in the mouth with full confidence. Roll damage. So that would be seven damage. Underwhelming, from... but Dam- damage is damage. It all adds up. It is. Do I gain more health from that, or am I at max? No, you're at max. Okay. Uh, for my Magic: The Gathering fans, there's a card called SWAT. Which reminds me of this, because there's a character called Phage the Untouchable, and her whole thing is like, you can't touch her or you die. And so there's a there's a card where her, she smacks someone in the face, and it just, half their face comes off. It's awesome. Awesome. That's how I imagine slime fucks around. <laughs> uh, one thing we should probably explain about Vampiric Touch is that it is a concentration spell, which basically means that... Um, you can keep using it for a certain amount of time without having to cast it again. You don't have to use extra spell slots. Um, Vampiric Touch lasts up to a minute, but each round of combat is six seconds, and most fights take less than ten rounds, so yeah. And the important thing about concentration is that you can maintain it until you either, one, do something else that requires concentration, um, or you take damage and you fail to maintain concentration, or you just Stop concentrating on it. Those are your three ways of stopping a concentration spell. A fun game you can play along at home is seeing how often we forget that. <laughs> Probably a lot, but um, yeah, that's what makes spells like Vampiric Touch so great. You can just keep sucking and sucking and sucking. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so the genius is going to roll up, and they're going to pull out what uh, looks like a small gun, uh, but it is actually <laughs> crackling with electricity, uh -huh. and they're going to use this uh, Tesla coil gun to fire off lightning bolt at this uh, this creature. So I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. Oh, uh, yeah. So this creature, famous for its strength. Dexterity? Not so much. Uh, 19! I jinxed it! That's that's still fine. They still take damage. Yeah. Uh, just not as much, which is sad, but that's fine. Uh, so you are going to take... Uh, 16 damage. Ooh, that's a that's a meaty hit. Uh, so let's recap. the The guiding bolt comes out, hits the Myrmicolian, it turns and roars. Slime slaps it across the mouth, uh, and then it's very confused and hurt by that. And then a lightning bolt comes out of uh, the genius's gun. So we, we all we have all spellcasters this season. Yes. Uh, which which means each of you has a spellcasting focus. We've seen the star map, and we've seen the the devices and the gears and the guns and so forth. Excited for the reveal of Neolith and Slimes. Uh, but right now, it is the Myrmacolian's turn. I, I would like to note at the after firing that, I am going to begin rolling away, saying, <laughs> I have done all that I can here! <laughs> I do love that. Uh, so obviously, the first person uh, the Myrmacolian attacks is the person in melee range. That is a thing that makes sense to me. 22 and 23. Mari, your AC is not that high, but I need to hear you say it. My AC, my armor class is ten. I what am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. You just you you just have a squishy character like the rest okay. of us. So am I dead? <laughs> ah! No, no. Oh, yeah. Let's find out what the damage is first, and also you have a healer in your party at least. So basically, because those numbers were above a ten, those attacks will hit you, and then Austin will roll the damage, and we'll see how much health that takes Ooh. off. Uh, that is 36 damage. I'm dead. <laughs> You're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was quite a roll. Okay, so th we're just getting all this stuff put out there for the audience to understand. In 5th edition, when you drop to zero hit points, you do not automatically die. That That's actually how it used to work. But in 5th edition, instead, you enter a dying state, which means on your turn, every turn, you'll need to roll a d20. If you get three successes, you stabilize. Three failures, you bleed out. Um, Mari, another thing we do on this show is when you get dropped to zero, you get to pick a flavorful injury. Uh, how do you picture this? So this this thing has these huge, powerful lion jaws. Uh, it, you slap it across the face. It turns to look at you. How does this play out? It slaps me back and rips my <laughs> boobs off. Oh, my God. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> I give up. Fuck this it's a, that's, that's flavor. I there, no you know? longer have to co cover them, so it's okay. Problem solved. <laughs> okay. So, but does the slime immediately fill that? Like, you, you're not just walking around with a gaping chest wound, right? No, there's a gaping chest wound, and I do cover some of it, but I feel no need to be ashamed of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, but do you, you don't even react, right? You just stand there like, well, okay. I wasn't really using that anyway it's fine well it swipes back with its powerful lines paws and it just rips my beautiful dead woman body boobs off and they fly through the air <laughs> and i look at them and then i look at my chest and i have no reaction perfect but there's now a giant cavernous just like you can see my rib cage once uh -huh. where my boobs once were and then you know i just cover some of it with slime 
but I feel no need to keep going. You know, it's just something that happened. In my mind, the phrase, you watched them through the air, I was expecting this to be like a 90s comedy movie. Like one of them lands and like knocks over the jello that was being catered to the event or something <laughs> like that. Or like another one like hits a kid in the head. Oh. Or, like or, 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 or lands on the ground and someone trying to run into their house slips on it, you know? It... So the governor's monocle pops out and he's like, oh, I dare say. Oh, I dare say. He's like, nothing I enjoy more than the first cup of tea in the morning lands right in the tea. <laughs> Most unorthodox. Moist watch. <laughs> Moist watch. Moist watch. <laughs> Another tea ruined. Animal house. Uh, Neolith, it's your turn. You just saw your good friend Slime get part of their abdomen ripped off. Yeah, uh, so every short rest I get to prepare a number of items of food based on like how many people are in the party and stuff like that, um, that grant like healing and temporary bonuses and temporary uh, additional health. Uh, I like to think that Neelith has um, little food parcels prepared based on every character in the party and their favourite foods, so she's going to dig out a little... Uh, fake brain, sort of like a cake pot, but made of fake brains, and just pop it, pop it into, uh, into... Can I take it? Yeah. Can I take it and put it into the, into the wound cavity? Yeah, I'm just gonna smush it into slime, and get, get them, like, three health back? It's not much. It works. It's, Thank it's, you. It's basically you just my proficiency bonus, smushed into you. <laughs> it's just more direct. Yeah, we just we just get that healing brain goo and we shove it right in your innards, and before you know it, you've got three health back, which isn't much, but it's enough to get you above zero and you're back up and moving. Yeah, because normally when you get dropped to zero hit points, you're unconscious until you've been recitated in some way, uh, one way or another. So, but you are a weird thing, which makes things a little bit different. <laughs> Neelith is going to turn to Arze and say. Arze, I'm making your favorite dinner tonight if you do really well. Magical bonus. Mm. Your bardic inspiration is making people hungry. It's promising people their favorite thing as a way to magically imbue them. That is a that is a promising proposition. Mm. Alright, let's see here. Okay. Uh is that the end of your turn? Uh, yeah, that's my end, the end of my turn. I magically give you a d8 to add to any of your rolls. All right, well, Aze is still concerned about uh, enough about uh, Slime's health that they are going to pull a bit of a more aggressive move about that. So they're, uh, they make another gesture with their star map, and then there is... Uh, sort of a uh, moment where they where he mutters to himself and as he does so um lines of bright light start forming along his exposed arms and form constellation patterns as he uses his wild shape to take on a starry form which is an alternate rule for circle of star druids in D&D which allows it to basically present uh, one of various different constellations to confer a benefit there. So uh, in his case, um, the constellation pattern that is created is um, that of a tree 
with leaves falling off from the branches in a sort of a in sort of a circular sort of motion. Um, uh, this is a constellation that uh, a sign that is known as the cycle, and its effect is akin to what's known as the chalice constellation in normal rules. It is a something that allows him to do extra healing when he. Uh, spends a spell slot to heal somebody with a spell. So his he starts sh emitting bright light um, and constellations, and he moves over to get closer to slime and rests a hand upon them. Uh, after which they use a a a second level spell slot to cast cure wounds upon them which will heal them a total of 3d8 plus 10 health. That would be 25 health. All right, slime's back to full. Yeah, so like yeah, so Ozzy just sort of moves in, kneels kneels down and <clears throat> and rests his hand on slime to to get them up to health and just says ah, it's we can't have you getting we can't have you getting uh to her too soon here, Slime. Thank you for your assistance. And that is my turn. And and he continues to shine with this constellation along his arms as he's there. So he does. He is emitting light, which might draw attention to him potentially. But that is his turn. It is, I believe, now your turn, Slime. All right. So I choose to chilling touch. Which would be a 1d8 plus 6. So that would be another one where you roll an attack roll first, and then if you hit, you do the damage. Oh, 10. I got a 10. All right, so a 10 is not going to hit. So this attack, this chilling touch is presumably like it sounds, is you, you're reaching out with your hand again, but instead of absorbing life, you're just trying to end it with with dark magics. Mm-hmm. And the, the Myrmicolian sees it coming this time. Um, it just ducks under your hand. Um, and it is actually the genius of Grendel's turn, so I'm not going to describe what it does next yet. Okay. So the genius is going to stop rolling away. They're so like, oh, it appears that this is not over yet. Okay, then. And they're going to turn, and they're going to pull on a gauntlet, like this metal gauntlet. And little spikes are going to come out of the end. And then they're going to, like, reach their hand out as though they were trying to grab something that's very far away. And the perpetually turning gears begin to spin faster and faster. And you'll see essentially a line traveling between the, the gauntlet and this ant lion that bend and warp to the point where you see the genius's hand on the ant lion itself. And I'm going to cast Vampire Touch using one of my warlock patrons' abilities to bend space and time to attack from range. Oh, shit. Go, go, gadget portal hands. <laughs> I am the hand from part four, basically, and that is, that's all I really wanted in life. Yeah. <laughs> I made an elaborate goblin inventor so I could do a reference to Okuyasu from Diamond is Unbreakable. You're welcome. Who is the best character? Uh, 27, or sorry, 23, sorry. Yeah, 23 absolutely hits, so describe all this. Uh, so I'm going to deal damage, and I'm also going to use one of my little goblin features, because <laughs> Austin, I'm small. And there's a fury of the small. So when I damage a creature that's larger with me than an attack or with an attack or a spell, I get to deal equal damage, uh, extra damage equal to my level. So I'm going to deal an extra five damage on top of this. 
Oh, snakes. Yep, that's that's good damage. So 16 damage. All right. Uh, so what does this look like? You put on this gauntlet, you reach out, space warps and time is bendable because you're a warlock patron. The machine is doing something to the fabric of the universe. And then I'm going to start draining energy from the gauntlet um, in you know a similar way that slimes sort of feeds nutrients out. These almost seem to drain fluids out and they're transferred into the glove and then the hooked into the genius's arm. So I'm basically stealing uh stealing bodily fluids the same way. And bodily uh, nutrient stealing gang. Exactly. We both need fluids. Ah, oh, so much so much in common. We're bonding already through shared activities. <laughs> uh so the Miracolian feels this terrible sharp pain, but it's an animal and doesn't really understand where it came from or how it's happening, and instead lashes out the with the person with the glowing arm. Mm-hmm. Uh so Aze, big lion jaws are snapping at you, so we're gonna attack you. Uh, 26 and botch. Okay, so 26. That does hit, yes. Uh, with the botch, uh, why don't you give me flavor of it actually having that damage? Uh, it, it, basically, uh, I'm, what happens is that it lunges out and its jaws get into Aze's uh, shoulder um, and it looks like he's about to, it's about to pull Aze over Slime's body to maul at him some, but Aze basically um, jams at its eyes with his forearm, basically flashing it with the bright light on his arms to daze mm. it slightly, getting it to relinquish on its bite to prevent it, uh, yeah, incapacitating him in one hit. <laughs> yeah, the Myrmicolians love tearing limbs off. It's one of their favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it gets a hold of this arm, and it's like, hell yeah, I'm going to add this arm to my collection. And then it starts flashing this, you have this starry glowing tree, almost like tattoo, and it just is very confused. And then you start poking it in the eyes, and it lets go. Yeah. Uh, Neelith. Uh, so now that none of my party members are dying, I can do what I wanted to do last turn. Um, right. I'm, I'm going to try and keep everyone safe by casting Hypnotic Pattern, mm. which uh, I'm going to need you to do a wisdom saving throw for this, but that will hopefully allow me to magically conjure up something to stop this, this antlion from attacking. Three. That's not going to be high enough. I'm going to hypnotize you. So what is your uh, spellcasting focus? We've seen the crystal ball star map. We've seen the inventions. What is uh, what is Neelith used to cast magic? Neelith uses a magical frying pan to cast spells. I was, I was hoping. I was hoping for this. Yes. Yeah. So Neelith gets out the magic frying pan and uh, starts sort of shaking it around as if you had like a little bit of oil and some onions in a pan and we're just trying to keep them from not burning. And she sort of shakes it around, shakes it around, and out from it comes um, a magical vision of dancing food items to distract this uh, <laughs> this this ant lion. It's just sort of dancing magical bacon floating in the air, taunting this lion into submission and distraction. Oh yeah, you absolutely start cooking magical ghost food, and the animals like <gasps> food, <laughs> and is yeah, but like it's magical ghost food that's like just out of reach. But so delicious looking that this this antlion is like oh, I must 
work out some way to get to it. Uh, so, yes, the Mimicolian is dazed by that. It's fixated. And it's actually Aze's turn. And you would have advantage on this this fixated creature for your dark purposes. All right. So Aze is staggering back slightly um, from the... Uh, from the attack there, clutching his arm with one hand before he holds up the the star map and focuses deeply on it. It glimmers and then a shoots a light straight up into the sky as if it's trying to breach the heavens before a pillar of light with a five foot radius just pierces uh, straight down on top of the antlion as he casts moonbeam as a third level spell. Oh yeah. And so as the Miracolion is dazed, it has disadvantage. So I roll twice and take the lower number. Yes. This is a constitution saving throw in this case here. Oh yeah. So that's a failure regardless. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's a 12. That's not going to do it. So the light shoots out of your star map goes up through the clouds. They part. You see above uh, the sky, essentially at the top of, you know, the world from your perspective, the the peak of Mount Grendel's up there. And there's just this, what seems like a tiny <laughs> pin, yeah, pinprick opening in the sky. There's a portal up there that the people who reach the summit go up to, to investigate the world above the new world, the last world, the final frontier as it were. And, but as you're all looking up at this beautiful uh, otherworldly site, suddenly just the hammer of dawn rains down. And it's it's it slams down. It shines the uh, the antlion in light, and it does sixteen uh, radiant damage. I believe is what it is. Uh, uh, so is yeah. that going to be lethal or non-lethal? Um, Aze, uh, despite being bitten by, it, will tend towards non-lethal damage uh, whenever possible. Uh, he wants to subdue the threat. Uh, as much as possible, because um, we could always potentially end its life later if necessary. But if we kill something prematurely, then there's no going back. So he will do non-lethal. Well, I can raise the dead. <laughs> that might be a plan B, we'll say. Yeah. So uh, that that so he will make it non-lethal. So it's basically just like a really bright flashlight gets shined down upon it and... Um, hopefully just exhausted out so it, it's weakened to the point where it can no longer be a threat. Yeah, I mean, this otherworldly uh, radiant light f- shoots down from the heavens. It's like fire and brimstone, just the the light made, you know, solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this animal is absolutely battered to the ground um, and knocked unconscious and collapses in the snow. And the clouds kind of like slowly drift back into place, covering the sky once again, hiding the portal at the peak from your eyes and the snow resumes. And soon the Myrmicolian is, you know, has a nice dusting on it as it's laying in the bank. Uh, what do you all do? Uh, <laughs> is everyone alive down there? Uh, it appears so. <sighs> Excellent. I am cold and I would like to go back in now. I... Uh, take note of my body, see that I am fully healed, and decide to look for my missing breasts. I am only able to find one, so I just put it <laughs> onto my chest, but I put it on, like, crooked, 
but you it's hard to tell because it's a boob so it's gonna sag whichever way so it just doesn't look quite right but i can't find the other one and in a moment of brilliance because i forgot to introduce william my skull friend um i usually keep william on my head it's a skull of my friend william that i keep with me always the important thing is because i can't find my other boob i take William and put him in the socket of the other boob and I think wow this is a moment of creativity and I'm very proud of it and I turned to you all and exposed my teeth in a smiling manner expecting praise Neelith <laughs> uh, Neelith is just gonna give you the biggest double thumbs up I like the animation fantastic is, is it dead because I was hoping to make it my pet for only pet reasons, it will never fight. Hell yeah, that's animal handling, and I would love if you rolled that. Oh, I was hoping to make it my like undead pet, but, you know. Well, roll animal handling, and we'll see how it goes. All right, animal handling, which I probably... Oh, one! I have a one. Seeing your interest with that, I'm going to uh, hat your shoulder gently as you look upon it, and... and and Aze will say, if you, if you have any ideas of what to do with this, uh, I trust you'll make the best choice. And he's going to cast the spell Guidance on Mari, which will give you a bonus D4 on top of whatever you roll. So, so it'll be D20 plus D4 plus one for your roll. All right. So my intention here is purely a pet. Okay. They will never see combat because, from my understanding, you take care of pits and don't do that. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, visually, does this, like, you put your hand on Slime's shoulder and then some of your constellations briefly appear on, like, her arm? Is that, that's my mind palace. It, 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 it can be. Uh, I would say the very least constellation sp- stars sort of, like, float off across her uh, gently. Um, they can land upon her if necessary, but uh, they are uh, they are neither moist nor dry. They are just stars, you know. Wait, did I roll a? Wow, that was just terrible. Yeah, so no matter what, that's a two. That's not going to cut it. So that's not good. Uh, that's a bad roll. Um- <laughs> In my immense disappointment, as I have heard that. The way to obtain a pet cat is to let a pet cat find you. I thought this was my only chance to have a pet cat. Yeah, so like you're patting on the head and you're like, hello, now we shall be friends. And it just latches onto your wrist with its jaws. (laughs) Does this mean it likes me? I (laughs) don't believe that is the case. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to assist on this. Uh, it still has its its teeth clamped into my arm, and I say, "Well, I've seen cats do this. It seems as if everyone likes this." <laughs> I think it just like rips a chunk out of your arm and then falls back unconscious, and then you know, Ozzy can heal you again. But it's just like every time you try to be friends with it, it just takes more of your body. Yes, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. I love that to end this scene. <laughs> Uh, so you have neutralized the Miramicolian for now. It will not be friends with you, but you did not kill it. So soon, uh, there will have to be a decision about what to do with this animal, which I think that's how the next episode will open as you will talk to some of the villagers and decide this thing's fate. Uh, in the meantime, how do the rest of you wind down from your day? What is, what does your life look like when you're not on the clock? 
I I think after the 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 mission winds down, I think um, Neelith uh, spends the rest of the day sort of getting getting lots of food ready for um for for the evening the evening dinner rush. Um, starts getting Arze's favorite dinner ready, which don't know what that is yet, but starts getting Arze's favorite dinner ready and just generally generally pottering around trying to trying to trying to get ready to be at the center of making sure everyone has a nice meal for the night. Uh so the genius is going to start rolling back into town and they're going to look and there's basically like a little battery gauge uh on their wheelchair which essentially kind of tells how many spell slots they have left is they're going to be <laughs> like I must need to recharge this then. Uh, so they're going to head back to their lab and tinker about, and uh, it's going to fully recharge. Uh, but before the night's over, they're going to head over to uh, the blacksmith's place. And as they're wheeling in, uh, the genius is just going to say, Shoka, I have much to talk about. I bent time and space to my will today. And then, like, the door will slam behind them. <laughs> All right, sick. Is the is the spell slot indicator on the wheelchair like the spine indicator that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Aze, uh, once once things have been tended to, uh, will retire back to his home, which is also where he does readings for people who request it. So uh, the homestead is very. Uh, trinket heavy on the inside is a way to describe it various trinkets and tools for um for divining the locations of stars above and below um there is uh almost a mural of sorts that is done across the roof that sort of shows the location of the stars from below which are well known um and then almost like sketches of the stars above, which are less known as it proceeds deeper into the house towards the back where his sleeping area is. So there's a table set up for reading such and, and books and all those other items. And when he arrives home, he takes the time to get some tea going, uh, organize the notes he received from travelers indicating what they saw above past the portal. And, uh, essentially just take it easy until, uh, oh shoot. Now, and then I need a clarification of your character's name, Laura. Uh, Neelith. Uh, Neelith. Well, Neelith arrives with, um, a root vegetable stew, which is his favorite meal. It's a, oh, I'm so glad we got that answered. That was going to haunt me. <laughs> that was, it's a, so it's, you know, it's like a beef stew, but it's predominantly root vegetables instead. Uh, and then he will do his research notes and, st- and such until his body grows tired enough that he must retire for the night uh, while the various uh, constellation-related things almost are have little faint iridescent glows even in the dim light of the night. So the genius has their workshop at their house, obviously, mm. and we just established Aze has like this whole trinket-filled kind of astrology situation going on. Uh, Neelith, do you live in a restaurant, or do you just have a big kitchen in your little cabin? I I think that this is a living above the restaurant mm. um, situation. I think that that Neelith lives upstairs in a little room, but basically the the place is the restaurant. 
Okay, so I'm going to need, and it doesn't have to be now, you can think about it, the name of that restaurant, because it, that's going to kick ass. <laughs> the Illithid Vegan Brain Restaurant is like the juiciest name prompt. Oh, I cannot, I cannot give it now because I need to spend the entire week making sure it's the perfect pun. Mm. And Slime, where do you go after subduing the Miramicolian and having your body thoroughly shredded? Determined to have a pet, I do my proper research and stare at a child and their cat for 37 minutes, after which <laughs> I follow that child's cat around and observe no. what they do. The cat eats rats and also drinks cream from a saucer, so I decide that I will collect as many dead rats as I can and also obtain cream. <laughs> And I bring them back to my home in preparation for the cat I will be having. Because I've seen that cats are often mean at first, but then they're nice. So I just know it's only a matter of time before they stop eating my flesh <laughs> and like me. And so I prepare my home with a big pile of dead rats and a bucket of cream that I got at the market. And I sit in the corner and I stare at it and wait until it's the next day. Now, I would love to end there, but I have so many questions. One of which is, do you have a normal cabin that's just like empty and you just sit in the corner of it? Or do you live somewhere spooky and cool? I live in a normal cabin <laughs> filled <laughs> with nothing. And I sit in the corner and I wait. Not, not nothing. It's filled with dead rats now. It has a Yes, that's actually what makes me so excited because I never had a reason to fill it with anything else before. <laughs> Just, it's, it's like just that meme me. of like men men can live like this and be happy and it's just an unfurnished apartment with an Xbox on the floor. Yes. <laughs> so I'm excited. I also have plans to make a cat perch, but I have to figure out how to make it sturdy enough for my new cat that I will be having and I will be trying to decide on names as I've witnessed that people often call their cats names. I So far, I like the name cat. And so... The capture of the Myrmacolian marked the first day of winter on Mount Grendel. Like the antlion themselves, the inhabitants of Grendel had all come to this snowy village looking for refuge, for food, for some place to start again. And it would be these very villagers who would decide its fate, and their own. And when the snow finally cleared, Four months later, everything would be different. For the Moist Watch, for the Myrmicolian, and for the villagers. The bartender, the historian, the barber surgeon, the pastor, the governor, the blacksmith, the therapist, the gravedigger, the farmer, and the tailor. When spring finally arrived, they would all be forever changed. Well, the ones who survived, anyway. I was following the pack, all swallowed in the coats, with scars of red tied round their throats, to keep their little heads from falling in the snow. And I turned round, and there you go, and Michael, you would fall, and turn the white snow red. Strawberries in the summertime